welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, well, thank you so much, Paul, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in once again to Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I've got Matthew Sweezy from Salesforce.com, and Matthew and I are going to talk about uh, the book that he wrote, Marketing Automation for Dummies. If you don't know Matthew, he's uh, principal of Marketing Insights over at Salesforce, which was a huge uh, investment and growth area for the company. I'm sure a lot of you are hearing about the winter release coming up with all the Einstein capabilities, so it's a real pleasure to have Matthew on the program and jump right in. Matthew, how are you? That's good, man. Happy. Life is good. Living the dream, huh? Well, you you guys are getting ready for Dreamforce, and uh, I'm sure you are speaking once again. Matthew wrote the book, as I said, Marketing Automation for Dummies. And so why don't we start there and talk a little bit about, you know, what's really changed since you since you wrote that book? In fact, when was it when was it published, and what's what's changed since then? Uh, geez, I think the publication date was 2013. Uh, so you know, good many years ago now in the technology world. Um, but yeah, so I mean, but when it was published, I me mean, marketing automation was still pretty new. Um, you were looking at adoption around uh, marketing automation being just pretty isolated to your very very progressive companies. Um, the notion of lead nurturing wasn't really all that well established, um, and so that's kind of the marketplace when it came out. I mean, it was like there was three main vendors. Um, there was Pardot, Marketo, Eliflow. Um, um, that was kind of it. I don't even think HubSpot had moved into marketing automation. I think they were still in their marketing automation kills kitten campaign. Yeah, a lot's a lot's changed, and some things have stayed the same. I mean, in the enterprise market, the the players are still pretty much the same, but the SMB market for marketing automation has has really grown. Um, Salesforce themselves has has made a big investment in the platforms and enhancing the tool sets. But even more, you know, you've seen such a a, a sales and marketing focus for the marketing cloud technologies by Salesforce than uh, we saw a few years ago. So it's been great to to see that. Um, you know, when you and I talked you were talking about the term automation 2.0 and um, one of the things you know you and I both writing books that are now been published for a few years I was always kind of worried about whether you know my book was going to go out of date which was about lead management um, and so wrote it in a way that would stand a little bit of the test of time but there's still so many areas that I didn't cover in the book which is why I'm starting on a new one when what what is automation 2.0 how would you put that in your own definition yeah, so first off, when I was writing the book, I mean, same concerns. If you're writing a book in the technology space or any other fast-moving marketplace, I mean, it's, it's going to get out of date after a certain period of time. So, you know, those of us that write the books try to kind of keep that in mind. And when I was writing Marketing Automation for Dummies, I tried not to focus on the technology as much, um, more so the mindset that you have to have to utilize the technology. So let's kind of start with that one first is, most people don't realize that marketing automation doesn't just come with a new new tool set, but it's also a new mindset of how you're operating. Um, and so that was kind of what I tried to adopt, right? Because the mindset's going to last a lot longer than the technology. Um, so trying to help people think about how they market differently is pretty much what marketing automation for dummies is about. Um, you know, combining the, the theory and the thought with the actual tactical process uh, of, of the tool itself. Um, so that's kind of where I started with it. Um, but, you know, as you said, you know, there, there is a definite difference between then and now. Uh, and when I wrote Marketing Automation for Dummies, 
I use the term marketing automation with a big A and automation with a little a. Um, and what I meant by that was there are lots of different things that can be automated. Um, you know, so something basic, you know, what if you fill out a form and it drops that rather than sending you an email saying that this person has just filled out our form, um, it adds them to a Google spreadsheet or automatically imports them into one of hundreds of various uh, email marketing tools or ESPs. I mean, those, all of those are, are automations, what I would call automation with a small A, not a capital A. Mm-hmm. To get into automation with a capital A, um, really a marketing automation platform, there, there are three key basics that you have to have within that. Um, basic number one is behavioral-based tracking, um, and that's usually accomplished by JavaScript tracking interactions with the website. Then there's a layer of logic uh, that then can run off of various data sets, including those behaviors. So then you can start doing things such as lead scoring based off of the web pages that somebody looks at, um, or lead nurturing based on the engagement with content that somebody's had. Uh, and that's only possible when you have um, that, that behavioral data, a layer of automations, and then a central execution point. Um, mostly, uh, automation was created around email. Uh, marketing automation's main execution tool is email. Um, really started kind of with the idea of lead nurturing. So that's kind of the idea of, of automation, big A, little A. And, and both of those I really now call automation 1.0. Uh, and really what we're looking at now is, is a very different technological world uh, as well as marketplace for media uh, applications, consumer engagement, uh, technologies. And we're looking now at marketing automation 2.0. And when I say we, we're on the very, very forefront, but it's very clear and apparent um, that we're looking at a, a 2.0 or a next evolution uh, of these things. And the main difference between a 1.0 environment and a 2.0 environment isn't necessarily uh, a platform or capabilities of a platform, but rather not thinking about it as a platform at all, but rather thinking about your marketing automation platform as rather your single and only central point of execution, now it just becomes a node on a larger network of tools that are tied together via a middle layer uh, with different data sets. And let me give you some clear examples of this. Yeah, Marketing automation 1.0 really kind of operates in the world of the two owned assets, your website and your email server. But now what if we want to talk about doing more contextual marketing, which is really what the consumers are demanding. Let's take something basic like chat, right? So there's a tool called Drift, which allows, it's a chat bot and allows to pop up with engagements. Well, you could combine Drift with Clearbit so that you know exactly who to pop up a chat box to. Then you can even use other data to then filter to make sure that you're only popping up chat um, for a very, very, very select sales-ready group of people that are actually on your website. Um, neither one of those automations, the data that it's reading, the behavioral data that it's reading, or the actual action of popping up the chat, uh, or once the chat goes live, then connecting that to the live salesperson, none of those things touch a marketing automation platform at all for them to happen. Right. But yet, that is an automation that we must look at to be contextual with the modern consumer. Um, we have to keep in mind that messaging applications have surpassed usage of general social media. Um, so that is now you know, what they want. And when you look at consumers, they prefer to use chatbots at a rate of 76% to, I think, 16% 
over applications to solve many of their basic problems and needs. Um, so, you know, in a 2.0 environment, we can have all those data and those streams and those automations happen, and then they share all that information on the back end. So in that same example I gave, once that person has that chat, engages, and that salesperson believes that it's a sales-ready qualified prospect, then it can automatically import that information into the marketing automation platform and then pick up from the demand generation side, do the lead nurturing, do the basic lead scoring on the, the data sets and the other the pieces that you have. But it's now a collection of nodes across a large network rather than a centralized system. So guys like you that are that are so close to this and write books on it, um, you know, we, we're a bit futurist, right? We know kind of where we, where things have been and where things are going. And I just want to come back to a couple key points that, um, you said. Um, I remember sitting, by the way, on the top of the, the Marriott in San Francisco. This is a long time ago with, uh, Steve Woods, one of the co-founders of Eloqua, now Oracle Eloqua. Yeah, very nice we, guy, by the way. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. And, and great contributor to this, this whole ecosystem. Yeah. That that night we were sitting there drinking a glass of wine uh, and talking about the ability on a website to know folks' presence and information. And, and a lot of people don't know this. Um, I mentioned on the last podcast that I was talking with Brinker about uh, with chatbots that chat was the original Eloqua application that they came out with. They didn't go to necessarily market with that for very long, but chat was the first thing. And Scott and I were talking about uh, that engagement that happens on the website. But some things that you said, Matt, was, you know, we know now as marketers the visitor that is coming to our site by their IP address. And databases have grown where we can take that IP address and bounce it against a system and say, what company is this and what additional information, especially if it's a known visitor, right, someone who's already in our database. And so it sounds like when you wrote your book and I wrote Manufacturing Demand, there's a big focus on marketing automation and the website and CRM is like the three core tools and then you said something today which was which was interesting is that marketing automation is is just a node of the the network now makes makes a lot of sense let's let's delve into that a little bit more because the landscape has changed dramatically as everybody knows but i want to keep going with this networking concept and talk about you know what's the minimum set of tools and some other things so stick with us matt and i will be right back after this Have you ever felt that you're not getting the most out of your marketing automation system? Well, you're not alone. But there is an answer, an award-winning agency called DemandGen that can not only get your team out of batch and blast mode, but turn your team into high-performance marketers that drive more revenue and have the kind of results you're looking for. They also have a marketing dashboard to show it. Experts in Marketo, Eloqua, Salesforce, and dozens of other top marketing technology the folks at DemandGen have helped hundreds of the top marketing teams around the country, and they can do the same for you. So stop feeling stressed. Check out their services at DemandGen.com, just like it sounds, DemandGen.com. And while you're there, be sure and visit their resource section, which is chock full of videos, free templates, and downloadable guides, all of which will help you be a better marketer. If you need a team that will get you to the next level, there's one waiting they're just a click away. DemandGen.com. All right, back to David and his guest. All right, so Matt and I were back, and right before we were talking about marketing automation being a node on the network. So go forward with that, Matt. I, I want to get your vision on that. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. Um, you look at the number of channels of communication, and it's not just email, 
uh, you know, social. It, it's it, we have to understand that marketing has to become contextual and native, right? So we need to communicate with the people in and where they are. And I use the example of messaging and chat. Um, but when you really start looking at it, the data. So we we did the state of marketing report, and I'm one of the chief architects that helps put this on for Salesforce. And what we found during 2016 and 2017 is high-performing marketing organizations use on average of 14 tools to create a cohesive customer experience, 14. Underperformers use about five. So there's your whole range. Even at the lowest end, you're using almost half a dozen, and at your highest range, you've got on average 14, which means there's some people using around 20. Now, what we realize is the speed of the consumer is so fast that when they engage, we have to have full context which means we've got to know their product usage. We've got to know their interest and intent. We've got to know past conversations. We've got to know how we deal with this person. Are they currently in a support queue? Do we have other things in the business that may dictate how we talk to them or what we offer them? And if you don't have all of those different pieces connected and then be able to then communicate on whatever channel they want, you can't be contextual. And when you start running the numbers and running the math, it's across lots of different channels and lots of different disparate tools that have this information. Um, and so we have all these smaller tools and smaller applications that also have the ability to then bring in these different disparate data sets. Now, the reason these things, so let's start with there, right? Lots of different places, lots of different data. Yeah. The next problem we run into is that these tools don't talk the same language. Unless you're a technologist, you really don't understand the complexity of data moving from tool to tool to application. And that's then when we come in with this middle layer of applications. Um, you know, the two big ones right now are Zapier and Trade.io. Mm -hmm. These allow for data from any set to be brought in and then a layer of automations to happen outside of the marketing automation tools. Let me give you some really key examples. Let's talk about creating cohesive customer experiences. That is the idea of marketing, not pushing out better emails. So if we have a customer and they come in, a lot of internal workflows have to kick off for that cohesive customer experience to happen, the handoff between marketing and sales, the handoff between sales service and support. A lot of companies use tools such as Slack, HipChat, uh, Chatter to do these things. So a really common automation to ensure for a, a cohesive and holistic experience would be if a new lead comes in to maybe push that to a Slack channel. Or if some type of data changes, we need to be able to add that to whatever communication tool your team uses. That'd be an internal automation. And those can be taken care of by these middle layers, such as Trey or, or Zapier or other ones that have entered the marketplace. And so that's kind of what we see. And then, Inside of that, when marketing automation needs to be applied, when I say marketing automation, I'm using air quotes, the marketing automation platform, your Pardot, Marketo, Eloqua, HubSpot, mm -hmm. whatever you may use, that then is going to be doing what it does really well, which is then, you know, working through the pre-existing workflows that you've already built, doing your lead scoring, tagging your content or whatever it may be. Um, but they're then all going to work in harmony. Uh, and, and I think what we really need to think about is that there was a great discussion on LinkedIn the other day. Uh, and someone straight up asked me, like, why doesn't one tool do all of this? And I was like, well, there's two reasons. One is no two businesses operate the same. Right. In our marketing landscape, we have very specific products and very specific consumers and very specific environments. No two companies market the same. 
No two companies even report on their marketing the same. So we need to realize each company is going to have a very specific, unique set of tools to them. If you try to make a single tool to do all of that, you'd end up with too much bloat that you wouldn't be able to use it. It'd be too expensive, yada, yada, yada. Not to mention, too, the marketplace is moving too fast and new channels are developing overnight where uh, an existing company can't dedicate resources to then go do all those small things on this new channel. So it's going to take a combination of connectivity uh, to then make this 2.0 environment. And we're seeing lots of companies do this already. Uh, Digital Ocean, Segment, uh, Adroll, these are all companies who are playing in this space who have adopted this framework and are seeing massive wins. Uh, Digital Ocean is a great example. Uh, they've gone into this space using all of the tools I've talked about and some others I haven't, and they're able to change the entire way that leads come into their business. They've increased their demand and their deal flow by 30% by operating in an automation 2.0 environment by using lots of different networks tools together rather than just a single tool. Um, you're looking at AdRoll. Uh, they now see that the majority of leads that go to their salespeople all move through one of these 2.0 avenues. They're coming in through chatbots rather than email. They're coming in. They don't even use forms anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're coming in through different methodologies. Um, so that, that's just some interesting stuff to think about. So let me ask you then a question. When I listen to you describe, you know, the the infrastructure landscape that there isn't, you know, one system anymore. That it's a network of all these different tools and technologies that are getting integrated. Right. Let's say you're a tech company and you've got your free trials, right? There's free trial data somewhere in a system or you've got purchase data somewhere in a system and then you've got your customer data and you've got, like you said, all the web analytics and other pieces and I'll just stop there. When I listen to you describe uh, the environments today, I think about an IT department. We break the business down when IT became the IT department. What was the big problem they were trying to solve and where were the biggest wins in the business? And that was in connecting the siloed departments and connecting the infrastructures. It was operational scale, right? And that was what IT gave us. And then they gave us new, new stuff, right? Now, if we look at the biggest gains, marketing is the one currently providing the biggest revenue gains. That's why you see Gartner saying by 2020, the marketing department will have the largest IT budget, eclipsing that of the actual IT department. Um, so now we have to realize do you believe that, in that marketing- Is that true, do you think? 110% true. The reason it's true is because SaaS-based computing. When SaaS-based computing became the main the, the mainstay of all technology that we use inside of business architecture, we no longer need the majority of the, the footprint that an IT department has because we've outsourced that to our vendors through the SaaS technology. All right, so, so let me ask this question that, then. Let me ahead. since we since we only got a few more minutes, what is today's marketing department ready for this challenge? Are they ready for the roles of owning and being responsible for the infrastructure of growth? No, God, no. Uh, they, they still think that you should put up billboards. I mean, just just look around you at what people are doing. How many shitty emails do you get? How many horrible ads do you see? They still think in the same ways that they always have. Now, that's not to say they're not guiding lights inside the marketplace doing things really well that we should be looking to. Um, there are plenty of those. But the thing is, is First off, we have to think about marketing in a drastically different way, right? It's no longer about telling the world about stuff. They are no longer the arts and craft department. It's long gone. But too many companies still hold on to that and just think these new tools just make their arts and craft department more effective. They don't realize that marketing is now driving the revenue. 
And, and I mean, if you just think about the basics, right, you, CEB and, and Gartner and Forrester all agree that once again, in the next few years, marketing will own 80% of the entire revenue stream. And, and this is specifically in a B2B space. You go back 10 or 15 years, that number was 95% owned by sales. And now we're completely flipping the script to another department who used to just have to make pretty pictures, right? They're, they're not used to having to think about these things in these ways. But that's also why you're seeing a lot of innovation inside of marketing. Um, you're seeing new roles come out. You're seeing new structures, agile frameworks, agile formats. You're seeing people operate in pods rather than hierarchical structures. Um, there's lots of cool stuff happening. Um, but it, I wouldn't say it's marketers that aren't ready. I'd say it's the organizations aren't ready to let go of their idea of what they think marketing is supposed to be. Fascinating. Uh, well, we could talk for a long time about it. I, I want to I want to wrap up with one question for you. The chasm, the Jeffrey Moore, you know, infamous crossing the chasm. I've heard yeah. different perspectives from serious decisions and other folks on where we are, and I have my own opinion. Love to get yours, Matt. Have we crossed the chasm with marketing automation adoption? And, it, and if so, where are we? And if not, how, how far do we have to go? Yeah, I mean, there's, there shouldn't be any debate on that question, um, just basically because the, the chasm are broken down into percentages, right? The chasm is after 13.5%. Um, or excuse me, that's, it's after, it's right before 34%. So once we've crossed 34% of market adoption, we've crossed the chasm. Um, we crossed 34% depending on industries, right? So you can't say chasm as a whole, you're gonna have to break it down into industries. Um, I used to do reporting based on the Fortune 500 and the B2B space. They crossed the chasm two years ago. Um, you look at SMBs and your progressive marketers, they crossed the chasm five years ago. Um, but as a whole, when you start saying in the entire marketing sphere of marketplace, I mean, you still don't have everybody using email marketing. Um, so, I mean, to think that everyone is going to, to be up to date and up to speed with marketing automation, it's also very tricky to track because when we start saying automation, are we tracking little A's or just big A's? And then how do we quantify that? But I would say without a doubt, we've pretty much crossed the chasm from a progressive marketing standpoint, right? If you are a marketing company of any weight or any salt uh, and you are a leader in your space without a doubt you cannot be that leader without marketing automation um, and most of those companies if you just go simply look at their website you're going to find marketing automation technology on those websites so i mean it, it once again it's going to say it's going to be vertical specific is marketing automation deeply integrated into oil and gas I've got no Not clue. Yet. I haven't looked at it. But uh, but I guarantee you, if you just ask this basic question to any marketer, do you have an email tool? Every marketer will say yes. And in the next five years, you ask any marketer, do you use automation? They're going to say yes if they don't already. And, and quite honestly, they may not know they do, but they, they're going to have to, and they, they will. I agree with you 100%. So let's wrap it up. Matt, thanks so much for jumping on the program. I know you're getting ready for Dreamforce. Both of us will be speaking there. I'm covering ABM this year, and Matt's got a bunch of sessions he's working on. So register if you haven't already signed up for the show coming up in November. But thanks, Matt. I'll let you get back to your week and wrap things up. Good to have you on the program. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio. 
bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. <laughs>